Welcome back to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star. Oh, you're not going to interrupt me this time. Okay. <laughs> I, totally, I couldn't remember what word I usually say. <laughs> you just scream mailbag, mailbag, mailbag. at me. <laughs> it's a new segment, Joe. We're still working at the kinks. <laughs> This is a mailbag episode, <laughs> and we are tackling an email from listener Caitlin and Brenna. Uh, we are revisiting some recent controversy. So Caitlin wrote in talking about the Own Voices mailbag episode in which we mentioned sensitivity readers, and Caitlin wanted us to touch on the Roll Doll affair. So oh, Roll yeah. Doll is being edited and re-released songs, some of his more controversial elements. So what do we think about this? You know, so we talked about Roll Doll's problematism in the Witches episode. So if folks mm-hmm. want to want to talk a bit about the way Roll Doll talks about jewish people or mm-hmm. large bodies or yeah. you know like the, we touch on all that in the witches episode i want to start by saying there's like a fundamental level on which i i think that publishers can do what they want with the publications that they own and like mm-hmm. we, we may not like that but ultimately authors choose what publishing house they work with and publishing houses are responsible for the legacy and they they decide to do with that what they will and we should right. also note that like Roald Dahl initiated revisions of his books in his lifetime oh, as okay. his perspectives changed on various issues. Mm-hmm. There have been revisions, you know, following his death in 1990, his family began to undertake some revised work. Like Roald Dahl was responding to criticisms of his writing, for example, criticisms of anti-black racism in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with the way the Oompa Loompas mm, are represented. Right. So like he rewrote those characters in 1973, right? Mm-hmm. The year after that criticism came out. So I think the first thing we need to acknowledge is that this isn't new. This isn't new and Roald Dahl was not treating his books like precious jewels that couldn't be right. responding to time and place. So that I think is the first thing that's important. The second thing that's important is that there will still be the Roald Dahl Classic Collection continuing to be published by Puffin oh, Books. Okay, so you can get you can get those unedited original versions still. Yes, you still can. So this is a second sort of reprinting, and this has happened like a lot. Like they republished all the Babysitters Club books to start making references to cell phones and things, right? Like mm-hmm, modernizing mm-hmm. kids' books is not a new idea, not a new process. Right. So, hmm. I think part of the reason that people gravitated to this, A, obviously there was a certain contingent who wanted to cry censorship mm-hmm. and wokeism and all of these other nonsense words that conservatives have decided uh, they can make a stand on and possibly galvanize their base. Mm-hmm. At what point does an editing process become a censorship issue? Like, It's not censorship if the person who holds the rights is the one doing it. Like, on a fundamental level, I think we have to recognize that. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the people who have spoken out against this, Salman Rushdie, you know, prominent conservative politicians in the UK, you know, folks like like Ricky Gervais and Mm. Camilla the Queen Consort. Like, I'll be honest. (laughs) People whose opinions we care not about. Yeah, with the exception of Salman Rushdie, I don't think any of these people need to be thought leaders. Like, they're just, they can have opinions and that's fine. (laughs) Particularly not on YA. I'm sorry, who are you? (laughs) 
<laughs> the queen consort doesn't like a new YA book? Well, that's wild. <laughs> One thing that I think it's fair to be upset about, because it, it has all kinds of implications for like digital rights, all of the e-book copies of Doll's right. work were automatically updated on the 19th. So you didn't get a choice. You didn't get a choice if you already owned the Puffin, the more recent Puffin edition of the book. Hmm. You didn't get a choice. So, and I do have a problem with that in general. Like, remember that time that Amazon deleted 1984 from everybody's Kindles by accident? Like, by accident? <laughs> like, <laughs> And here I thought you were going to talk about uh, Apple Music just giving everyone the new U2 album. <laughs> oh my god, like... <laughs> like it was a venereal disease, like impossible to get it off your phone. You couldn't get it off your phone. Did you try? It was like, it took like weeks for them to release the update <laughs> that let you delete that thing. Anyway. I think what we're saying is we're still pro-choice in many yeah. matters. <laughs> Don't meddle with people's like things they've already purchased yeah. things that they already have access. Like don't meddle with that. I think that that is a separate issue. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the original text still exists and now there's this new modernized version, you know, a lot of people were like, well, I don't understand why we need a modernized version. Like people should just talk to their kids about what they're reading. And yeah, mm. people should talk to their kids about what they're reading. Right. And also, how many books did you read, Joe, that your parents had no idea you were reading? That is an interesting thing. I guess I'm I'm circling back to the conversation we had when we covered Adventures in Babysitting and you got kind of frustrated with Disney for not including have a conversation about unhoused people with your yeah. children. Don't just talk about like, oh, this is maybe a little bit racist. Yeah. I do think it's interesting what we choose to focus on when we make edits or when we say, hey, this is an older text and therefore it doesn't reflect contemporary values or, you know, advances that we've made, hopefully, in bettering society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll confess, I'm just, I'm always interested in what people decide to focus on, whether that's society at large, or people within the creative community. Like, this to me, I think is coming from a place of goodwill, like we're looking to not offend people, because we're recognizing that some of Dahl's perspectives were very antiquated mm -hmm. and offensive. To me, I'm always just like, ooh, we need to look at this on a case-by-case -case basis because I am kind of pro let the original stand, have the hard conversations, and acknowledge that we have moved forward. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that, but I do know that a lot of kids find books without the sure. context of like an adult conversation. And so Yeah, like you can track what your kids are watching on Disney Plus because Disney Plus has a memory. So yeah. you can go in and be like, what have people been looking at? Whereas you and I have talked repeatedly about going to the library and getting our hands on things and nobody knew what we were up to. Yeah. And I don't think that's bad. Like, I think kids should read stuff. But I also think that mm -hmm. to pretend that the solution is always like a parental conversation, I think is a pretty naive way of thinking about how kids get their hands on stuff. And we right. should say, like, this isn't exclusively coming out of a place of goodwill. Like, I think... Mm -hmm. This is happening because Netflix has acquired the Roald Dahl company. <laughs> Wait, there's economics at play? <laughs> Makes shocked face. So in September of 2021, Netflix didn't just like get the rights to Roald Dahl's 
books, they acquired mm-hmm. the Roald Dahl Story Company. Oh, so, yeah. They shelled out big money for this. So what they own are the rights to his work. They don't own, like, the hard copy publications. Mm-hmm. They own the rights to adaptation, basically. Right. So we are going to see a lot of Roald Dahl adaptations in the next few years coming out on Netflix. Literally all of them. I, I already know that there's at least one to two adaptations in the works. We're going to see this within the next year. And it's very clear that this is at least in part Roald Dahl Story Company and Netflix and Puffin Books, who publishes his books in the UK in particular, Mm -hmm. trying to get out ahead of the coming storm because they're going to be re-releasing all these books to align Mm -hmm. with the adaptations coming out. Of course, because it's money. It's big money. Yes. And it's like, oh, we can dodge that controversy Let's absolutely do it. Like, this is not people making decisions out of the goodness of their heart. It just so happens to align with, like, oh, let's modernize these books. I think it's also worth noting, like you said, we have to, we should pay attention to what we get upset about in censorship. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's worth noting that. So what happened was Puffin Books hired a team of sensitivity readers to assess Dahl's works and to okay. make recommended changes. And the Telegraph got a copy of the report that Ooh. Puffin... So that is ultimately how all of this came to light. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reality is that some of the changes that sensitivity readers have suggested are changes to groups that it is still socially acceptable to mock. And so it's really right. easy to see the changes as silly or frivolous. Like, you know, uh, changing references to... You know, we talked about the misogyny of the way the witches are framed in the witches, right? So Mm -hmm. some of it is changing the references that way. Some of it is changing the references to the fat characters in these texts. Like those are demographics, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. old white women and fat people are demographics that it's still totally okay to mock and make fun of. And so to be seen as adjusting language to be more sensitive to those groups. Likewise, there's, there's adjustments to ableism in the text and it's the same idea, Mm -hmm. right? These are just, this is populations that mass media as a whole still treats as... We're not there yet. We're not there yeah. yet. And the reason I point that out is because one week after the Roald Dahl announcement, the Ian Fleming publication company... Yes, they're doing the same thing. They're making they're doing the same Bond thing. less misogynistic. They're taking out misogyny, but particularly racist racial slurs. They're taking oh, all right. the racial slurs out of Bond, and they're removing <sighs> the <a> racist... <laughs> yeah. And they're moving, removing the racist depictions of African Americans from Live and Let Die in particular. Yes. Which is good, because that... <laughs> I have not heard anywhere near... The media explosion culture war conversation about that. And I think it's because mm-hmm. everyone is basically in agreement that James Bond is not made any better by having a ton of racial slurs in it, right? Like, yeah. ooh, yeah. like, I don't think he's more badass because he says the N-word. Like, mm. it doesn't help the text. And we are all like, yep, yeah, it's okay to jettison that. Right. I think it's easier to make fun of what's happening with the doll books because... Society still doesn't care about older women or fat people. Or disabled people, right? Yeah. And so I think, you know, and so, and where it can be seen as like, it was sensible of Dahl to make the changes that he did in his life. And it's been sensible of his family to talk about Dahl's anti-Semitism and to try to get out in front of it. Mm-hmm. The other changes are seen as somehow frivolous. Right. I don't know. Like, I agree uh, that there's an element of like corporate safetyism here in the words of i think helen lewis right like the idea that 
they're doing this because Netflix doesn't want to deal with the ensuing backlash. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's a wrong statement. I think that's probably sure. really true. And I think it can also be true that we can have multiple versions of the text in the world. Right. Like, the fact that they're still going to publish the classic editions really takes all the teeth out of this for me, I have to say. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, don't worry. Your precious copies will still be available. We're just, you know, giving these alternative versions for, like, woke folks. (laughs) And also, honestly, like, it's probably going to be easier when you're doing the read aloud in class to have the version that doesn't say that, like, fat people are terrible and Mm -hmm. that Oompa Loompas are enslaved, right? Like, it's probably easier to move through a class discussion of the rest of the text if you if you don't have right. those hurdles in grade three, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that in the university children's literature class, you don't read the original versions and have that conversation. Yeah. I mean, maybe what we're acknowledging is that there's not just room for two or multiple versions of a story, but also we shouldn't be afraid of positioning text within a temporal space, right? Totally. So, Joe, I just want to note that Caitlin also asked what she's and she acknowledges this is completely unrelated, but she says, mm-hmm. like, what are your thoughts on authors entering review and commentary spaces to challenge reviewers or takes they don't like or talk to readers? Yep. Don't. <laughs> this was really interesting because I think even after Caitlin wrote this email, we then had like this big explosion when Seth Rogen complained that critics were being deliberately mean and how it's always interesting to me whenever we have discussions about what is the role of a critic and what are creatives allowed to do in response as someone who writes reviews now professionally i can tell you it is incredibly uncomfortable to see people go out there and try to defend or bemoan people saying that their work isn't always good like i think that there needs to be a space where people can say this is objectively good or bad or here are the things that worked As long as we uh, observe that these are subjective opinions, right? Like they are personal. It's one of the reasons why you should try to find critics that you like because they Mm -hmm. can help to guide you. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're right. It just can help to inform your own opinion. But I've seen a number of folks stick feet in their mouths. so bad trying to defend things and it's often really petty like oh i worked really hard on this well cool yeah that doesn't mean anything and lashing out makes you look petty and makes you look juvenile so my thinking when caitlin sent this in was a problem that really does plague ya circles which is Mm -hmm. ya writers going on goodreads and responding to readers oh no don't do it just don't do it readers need a place to talk mm-hmm. about books and yeah i don't even think you should be there eavesdropping because it's probably gonna make you mad but you sure mm-hmm. as hell shouldn't respond yeah i mean like here's the thing people get to leave reviews of podcasts on places like spotify and apple podcasts and i've gotten a bunch of people who have said mean things negative things things that frankly are nonsensical and i wish i could respond just to get a bit of clarity about it mm. the reality is is that that's not my place if people If people have opinions about our show, they should be free to say them as long as they're not like personally attacking us, which, you know, there is that fine line between like, Mm -hmm. oh, I hate this person and therefore I try to torpedo their work. But I think most people, if they're taking their job seriously as critics, then they're often not doing that. Like they're approaching it with as much objectivity as their subjective opinion allows. Absolutely. And, you know, it's just if you want to tell us that you love the show we'd love Mm -hmm. that 
Sure. But if you want to have a conversation with us, you can find us at hkhspod at gmail.com. See how I did that, Joe? It was like it's so smooth. smooth. It was like a, a butter segue. I know, right? Anyway, um, and if you want to find us on Twitter, we're at hkhspod or on the hashtag hkhspod. We love content for the mailbag, so please mm-hmm. send it our way. Yeah. Big thanks to Caitlin for sending this one in. Are you going to take us out? I thought I did. Oh, okay. We'll just end it there. Yeah, it was good. It was a good ending. Thank <laughs> you.